Ladies of the house here. Man, can I introduce you to a tremendous young man who has sold out to live for God and to minister the gospel for Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't think he's quite yet 20 years old, but I like that. I like to bring someone here and show you the burden. That's what we're after. The vision. That's what we're after. Amen. And to let him come and minister in his way the great gospel of Jesus Christ. God bless you, Brother Jonathan Dudley. Come and preach the word of God to us. Well, let's clap our hands to the Lord this afternoon. Give him praise and glory and honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, Lord. Amen. My heart is so full this afternoon, this morning, whichever it may be lost track of time in the presence of the Lord. My heart is full today, full of the Word of God that has been preached unto us. I shall be, I am grateful, shall be eternally grateful for the Word of the Lord that we have heard has worked on me. Amen. Takes the Word of God to change us, changed by preaching by the word of the Lord and I have been changed this week I never want to get too big for change amen if I ever stop growing I am out of the will of God for my life and I need preaching and you need preaching because it is nourishment for our souls and we grow by the word of the Lord. Every message that I have heard, I am so very, very thankful for it. And I ask the question, what in the world am I doing here today? Amen. Brother Bishop Johnson, I feel about like a 22 in a 44 holster. Uh, <laughs> I feel out of place today, but I do want to endeavor to do the will of God for this service, preach to you the word of the Lord that I have received. Amen. How many of you are going to help me preach for a little while here this afternoon? If you have your Bibles, open them with me to the book of Lamentations, chapter number 3. went to a breakfast this morning and Bishop Johnson talked to us and fed our souls, helped us as young men. Amen. And I thoroughly appreciate that. While that I was gone, my mother called my phone, cell phone in the room and left the voicemail and I got back to the room and listened to it and she said, son, just wanted you to know that someone's thinking about you. Someone's praying for you. 
so I think today I'm going to be able to preach. Mama is praying for me. Amen. If, and if I ever needed encouragement, I needed it this morning. Amen. Amen. Lamentations chapter number 3, verse number 27. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. And with the help of the Lord today and only by his help, I want to talk to you just for a little while from this subject, the value of restraint. The value of restraint. I'm going to ask you to lay your Bibles down, lift your hands, your hearts to God, ask that God would speak to you, anoint these unprofitable lips. but it used to be that a lot of young men were intrigued by automobile mechanisms. A young man used to be proud of his car, and we still are yet proud of our cars, but we are proud of something different about our cars than what we used to be. We are proud today of our vehicles because of how beautiful, spotless, and shining the exterior of that vehicle is. We are more interested today in the cosmetics of a vehicle rather than the mechanics of the vehicle. On the other hand, there are still, I believe, just a few good old country boys left who are not near as concerned about the response of others that see their vehicle, but rather they are concerned about the response of those that ride in their car. Their vehicle may be a rust bucket. It may have bondo patching on a whole bunch of dents. There may be a lot of old gray primer sprayed all over the bondo and missing peeling paint. But when the owner depresses the gas pedal to the floor of the car, there better be a sudden, powerful burst of energy that propels that old jalopy to rates of speed that causes all of the rider's ears to be pinned against their head 
their noses flattened, their bodies pushed back into their seats. Though it looks like junk on the outside, you pop the hood of that old clunker and under it you'll find a beautiful, polished, painted, and chromed engine. The outside may look bad, but on the inside, it's not junk. On the inside, it is powerful. You look at the engine and you will know that there is great potential and great power there. You know that the engine has the capability of getting you where you want to go in a hurry. The possibilities, the potential of the engine are limitless because of the power and potential energy that the engine can produce. However, the power and potential of this engine can become peril unless there is someone with common sense sitting behind the steering wheel of that old jalopy that can direct and focus the energy of that car. Every now and then, a brake must be applied. Every now and then, some cautions, some restraints have to be taken in order for the persons of that car to remain alive. And unless there are restraints, that car with such potential and with such power and with such energy will be nothing more than a twisted piece of scrap metal headed to the junkyard. Amen. I believe today that I am preaching to young men and young ladies. We are more talented. This is a more talented generation of young people than what we have ever seen. We can sing like nobody ever sang. We can pray. We can kneel down and touch heaven. We fast. We worship. We give our lives to God. We are full of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And because we're full of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, there is power that has been invested within each and every one of us. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria. And unto the uttermost part of the earth. You'll receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Got rid us of our programs. Got rid us of our traditions. Got rid us of our rituals. And help us to yield to the power of the Holy Ghost. To lean not upon the arm of flesh, but to lean upon and trust in God Almighty. Jesus did not promise power for 
they say that he would give them purpose for the power, but he gave them a place for the power. He said in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. There are some restraints that have been placed upon the power that has been invested within us when we were born again of the water and of the spirit. Jesus said, I give you power. Luke chapter number 10 and verse number 19. He said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And then he said, Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven this is not a weak church this is not a sick church this is not an anemic church this is not a crippled church this is a church of power this is a church of glory this is a church of victory this is a church with destiny but there is a danger that you get caught up in the power of this church and you forget why you're here jesus said don't get so caught up in the power that you forget that you're on your way to heaven don't you realize why you've been given this power rejoice that you're on your way to heaven more than you rejoice over the power that has been invested in you amen 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 and because of the power that has been invested in us there is great potential in every single young person in front of me today that is full of the baptism of the Holy Ghost it is the will of God that he empower us it's in God's plan it's in God's purpose that we have power over the enemy and power to fulfill and obey the law of the Lord Amen. Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not but to as many as received him to them gave he the power to become the power to become the sons of God friend it's not the will of God that you take up space on a church pew it's not the will of God that you warm the pew you're sitting on and that alone it's not the will of God that you come into the house of God and receive the power of God and do nothing with it oh, hallelujah 
It's not the will of God for us to be complacent and lackadaisical about the power that has been invested in each and every one of us. God said, I'll give you power to become not the will of God that you be another number on an attendance roll. Not the will of God that you be another name on roll call. No! God has a plan. God has a purpose. God has a will for your life. Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother standing in the ship mending nets and along comes Jesus and he says hey boys come follow me and I will make you I will make you fishers of men God wants to make you in something other than what you've always been
my life. In spite of our potential, unless there is temperance and a harness or yoke of restraint to direct our energies, we, be, we will become a spiritual tragedy. Amen. Jeremiah said it is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. And I got to thinking about this verse of Scripture and what could it have been that caused Jeremiah to write such a Scripture. You see, Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations and the book of Jeremiah simultaneously. Amen. He wrote them at the same time. So I went back to the book of Jeremiah in the same year in which Jeremiah wrote Lamentations 3 and 27 when he wrote, It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth to try to find exactly what Jeremiah was dealing with would cause him to write such a statement. In the very same year, in Jeremiah chapter number 42, the people of God, the children of Judah, had been conquered by Babylon. We're in Babylonian captivity. And the city of Jerusalem had been conquered. They were having turmoil and strife and were at their wit's end. Did not know which way to turn, what way to go. They had done everything within their own power and ability to get them out of the predicament that they were in. But after failing and failing miserably in trying to find a place of refuge within their own power, they come to the prophet Jeremiah. They said unto him, Let we beseech thee, our supplication be accepted before thee. And pray for us unto the Lord thy God, even for all this remnant. For we are left but a few of many, as thine eyes do behold us. That the Lord thy God may show us the way wherein we may walk, and the thing that we may do. So Jeremiah went to God in prayer to Try to find a word of God for the children of Judah. And in verse number 9, he calls them all unto him and said, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto whom you sent me to present your supplication before him. And this is the commandment that the word that Jeremiah brought to the children of Judah said, If ye still will abide in this land, then will I build you and not pull you down. And I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I repent me of the evil that I have done unto you. And he went on to say, 
And now, therefore, hear the word of the Lord, ye remnant of Judah. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, if ye wholly set your faces to enter into Egypt and go to sojourn there, then it shall come to pass that the sword which ye feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. And the famine whereof ye were afraid shall follow close after you there in Egypt, and there ye shall die. He said again, reminded them one more time. He said, the Lord hath said concerning you, O ye remnant of Judah, go ye not into Egypt. Know certainly that I have admonished you this day. The commandment of God was I do not want you to leave the place where you are at. In one place of scripture, I don't have it in front of me, but God told them specifically, I want you to stay right where you're at. I don't want you to move. And if you will not move, if you will not cross over into the borders of Egypt, then I will rebuild you as a nation. Where were they at when God told them to stay right here? They were in the habitation of Chimham, which is by Bethlehem. They were right by the house of bread. They were right near the church of the living God, if you will. And God said, whatever you do, don't leave where you're at. Don't cross over the border of Egypt and go down there where I have forbidden you to go. Stay in Bethlehem. Reminded of the story of Naomi. How that she walked out of the out of the city of Bethlehem and went to sojourn in Moab. And when she came walking back into the city, the Bible says that the whole city was moved about her and said, Is this Naomi? The young ladies that she had grown up with, the young ladies that she learned to cook and sew and went to school with did not even recognize her after coming back from Moab. Friend, I've seen them leave time and time again. Bethlehem, the house of bread, to go and sojourn in Moab just for a season. But when they finally make their way back to Bethlehem, it's hard to even recognize them. We ask the question, is this the same young man that left Bethlehem? Is this the same young lady that walked out of the house of bread? Didn't intend to go for long. Didn't intend to stay for long. But sin left its mark. Sin left scars that could not be erased. The value of restraint. Friend, if you walk out up these four walls and go to sojourn in Moab or Egypt just for a little time, you mark my word, scars will be left upon your mind. 
scars will be left upon your soul that will haunt you for the rest of your life. You see, sin has no conscience. Sin does not care who that you are. Sin does not care how long you've been in the church. Sin doesn't care who your mother is or who your father is. be happy until you are dead. Dead. Bible says when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. Don't you don't want it to do. The Bible says they just wanted to sojourn in Egypt. Don't plan on staying there. Just going to travel through. Just for a little while. And in spite of the commandment of God not to cross over the borders of Egypt. The Bible says that they nevertheless came into the land of Egypt, but they obeyed not the voice of the Lord. Thus came they even to Tapanis. Tapanis was just a place across the border, just a little ways inside the border of lower Egypt. We're not going to go very far into the world. We're just going to dabble with the world just a little bit. We've got control of everything. We can handle it. But in verse number 1 of chapter number 44, the word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the Jews which dwell in the land of Egypt, which dwell at Migdal and at Tapanis and at North and in the country of Pathros. They said, I'll just identify with just one place in Egypt and it did not work. No, they ended up going to Migdal, another place a little further into Egypt. And then they went to North, which is the capital of Egypt. They ended up wrapped up in the whole system of Egypt. They ended up wrapped up in the whole system of the world. And then the Bible says that they went into the country of Pathros, a place of, of upper Egypt, started off in lower Egypt and went all the way to upper Egypt. And the word Pathros just simply means part. They thought they could identify with the place in Egypt without becoming a part of Egypt. And it did not work. And I'll tell you today, it will not work. Today, you cannot identify with the place in Egypt without becoming a part of Egypt. Amen. The Bible still says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. chapter number 30 verse number 13 let's read what happened to the places that Judah decided to go and dwell in Ezekiel 30 and verse number 13 thus saith the Lord God 
I will also destroy the idols. I will cause their images to cease out of Noth. There shall be no more a prince in the land of Egypt. I will put a fear in the land of Egypt. I will make Pathros desolate and will set fire in Zoan and will execute judgments in Noah. I will pour my fury upon sin, the strength of Egypt, and I will cut off the multitude of Noah. I will set fire in Egypt. Sin shall have great pain and Noah shall be rent asunder and Noah shall have distresses daily. The young men of Avon and of Pibeseth shall fall by the sword, and these cities shall go into captivity. At Tapanese also the day shall be darkened, when I shall break there the yokes of Egypt, and the pomp of her strength shall cease in her. As for her, a cloud shall cover her, and her daughters shall go into captivity. You see what Judah walked into? They walked right past the restraints of the Lord into profound judgment of God. And if you disregard, my friend, godly restraints in your life, if you walk through those restraints, you'll walk right into the judgments of the Lord. God said, I am going to break there the yokes of Egypt. You see, all Judah did, instead of regarding the restraints in Judah, they went to Egypt and put a yoke on. Instead of regarding the restraints in Judah, they went to Egypt and regarded their restraints. You see, you're going to be serving a, a master in one place or the other. You're going to be in a yoke in one place or the other. In Judah, you're going to be restrained. In Egypt, you're going to be restrained. It's your choice today whether you want to be in the yoke with the devil or you want to be in the yoke with Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 11, and verse number 28, we could quote it here this morning. He said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Good thing about a yoke, yoke's not made for one. A yoke is made for two. And what it does is it directs and focuses the energy of a beast of the field to be productive. God said, take my yoke upon you. I'll be in the yoke next to you. I'll guide you. I'll direct you. I'll focus your energies. I'll focus your potentials. I'll make you productive in the kingdom of God. You can go to Egypt and bear a heavy burden and an unbearable yoke, or you can come to God today and 
bear a yoke. That is easy. It's not hard to live for God, especially with Jesus in the yoke next to you. You can make it, son. Just stay in the yoke. We're going somewhere. I'm going to do something with your life. I'm going to make you what I want you to be if you'll just stay in the yoke. Why did Jeremiah write this? It's good for a man. I like how he said it. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. See, Jeremiah was dealing with men that were men of age. They were men of stature. But they were less than men in character and integrity because that while they were young, they never learned to bear the yoke. Esau was a wild man, a man of no restraints. A man that did not keep his flesh under subjection. The Bible says that he came in from the field hungry. And he sold his birthright for a pot or a bowl of beans. Why? Because of a fleshly yearning. Because of a fleshly hunger a fleshly desire. Esau was a man that lived for the moment, disregarded the long-reaching effects of just one single decision. He lived for the here and now. And without restraint, made a momentary decision that had eternal consequences. just couldn't restrain his flesh enough to keep from selling out. The Bible says that Esau came in from the field. He didn't sell out out there. He came to his own daddy's house and sold everything dad had worked for. He was looking at all dad had worked to give him. All of the labors, tears, blood, and sweat that Isaac had put into that birthright and looking at it he sold it because of a lack of restraint friend people are selling out in the house all over our fellowship selling out sitting on apostolic church pews because they have not gotten their flesh under subjection to the will of God. And they sell out for just a fleeting thrill. Just a moment of pleasure. And they disregard the truth that has been handed down to them. The birthright that they received from parents and mothers. They forsake eternal truths over temporal passions. I love this truth. 
I love this message. I love this one God apostolic. Acts 2.38, holiness message. And it means more to me today than just a flick. Just a moment of pleasure. Just a moment of fun. I believe in the exceptions that Jesus made for the fall of mankind headed on their way to hell. He made a few exceptions. He said, except you believe that I am He, you're going to die in your sins. He said, except you repent, you're likewise going to perish. Jesus also said, except a man is born again of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter or see the kingdom of God. I believe in the exceptions Jesus made. And there's no way around the exceptions that God has made. Man cannot make his own exceptions. Young people, let's fall in love with truth. Fall in love with the Word of God. Maintain, establish and maintain godly restraints in our lives. Would you stand with me this afternoon? Hophni and Pinehas committed sin in the tabernacle. The Bible says that they knew not the Lord. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I don't know about you today, but I, I feel like I am so ignorant concerning the things of God. The more I know, the more I realize I don't know about God. But I want to learn more of Him. Hophni and Phinehas knew not. The Lord, the Bible says, committed sin, fornication at the door of the tabernacle. The Bible says that Eli, their father, restrained them not. And because of their sin and because of lack of restraint, lack of restraints in their life, God pronounced profound judgment upon that family. Hophni and Phinehas died in battle. When Eli heard of it, he fell over backwards and broke his neck. But that's not the worst of it. God removed the Ark of the Covenant out of his tabernacle because there were no restraints. Phinehas wife gave birth to a child by the name of Ichabod which just simply means the glory of the Lord is departed I'm just a young man today 
call me crazy if you want to, but I am concerned about even the generation that is to follow me. And I realize that if I do not maintain godly restraints in my life, I'll have to call my children Ichabod, spiritually dead. God's not here anymore. The presence of the Lord has departed. Brother Johnson, I want my boys, my girls, be able to come to them. of the Lord isn't there anymore because restraints have been removed. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Oh God, doesn't the presence of God mean something to you? Doesn't the Spirit of the Lord mean something to you? Doesn't the glory of the Lord mean anything to you? If it does, you will maintain godly restraints in your life. The same time that Hophni and Phinehas, dwelling in the temple with no restraints, there was another young man who grew up in the same temple, grew up in the same tabernacle, young man by the name of Samuel had restraints in his life. Man of God called, he answered. When God called, he answered. He was accountable. Had boundaries set up in his life. God used him mightily as a prophet in the nation of Israel. possible for young men, young ladies, grow up in the same church, hear the same preaching, feel the same presence of God. Some die of starvation, thirst, dehydration for the presence of God because they have no restraints in their life. And others are consecrated unto the Lord yield themselves to God and God can lay His hand upon them and use them mightily for His kingdom and for His glory. I wonder if we could lift our hands and talk to the Lord together right now. Oh, oh God. I am concerned today. Keep praying, please. I am concerned today about where we're headed. Oh, God, plant in us a deep-rooted love for truth. For the church. spiritual Isaacs that have worked so hard to get us 
where we are. We can just sell out over just one moment, frill and fun. You go ahead today, friend, and cut the string on your spiritual kite and see if it'll still fly. You sever the godly restraints in your life and see if your kite stays afloat in the air. I admonish you today from the Word of God to keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. I don't want you to feel pressured to do so this afternoon, but if there is someone that would like to come and pray, I want to give you the opportunity to do that, to establish godly restraints, strengthen godly restraints in your life. It's important, friend, that we not allow the abilities of our youthfulness to become liabilities. We harness our energies, our potentials. 